Thank you for joining IAB There. Hi, I'm Cheryl Goldstein, EVP Member Engagement and Development here at the IAB. Welcome to IAB There, our daily live stream in which we connect the digital advertising ecosystem. Today's show, we're gonna be exploring the ins and outs of culture-driven marketing. And we have a special guest, Sarah Carberry, Head of Multicultural Strategy and Sales at Google, who has been working in this space for a long time. So let's bring Sarah to the screen and get the conversation going. Hey, Sarah, welcome. Hi, Cheryl, thanks for having me. Uh, of course, I'm so glad to have you. So let's start with, first of all, your personal passion for multicultural marketing. You've been in this space for a while, including Hispanic marketing. Um, talk a little bit about your background and you know your passion for the space. Absolutely, I think uh, it, you know it started from when I was a, a teenage girl, and uh, based on on who I am and and my identity, uh, I come from a mixed heritage uh, family and a wonderful uh, diverse group of us, um, from you know my Irish side to my. Cuban side to my black side to we have American Indian. Um, we, my family goes back centuries. And wow. as a result, I really have this wonderful perspective and, and a wonderful way to identify um, with, with many wonderful cultures. Um, and I really bring that with me in terms of um, you know how I grew up and, and where I am now. But I think it really started when I was young and I would Seventeen magazine was my go-to magazine on my nightstand, and I never saw, uh, you know, teenagers or in pop culture people who looked like me. Uh, I never could identify with them, and I think it started from that—that that, that passion to really uh, celebrate culture and celebrate the wonderful differences—and it really kind of took me into uh, my profession, in which I worked at Univision for many years. Uh, really loved the Hispanic market there. Went down, I worked at Google now 16 years, but three years of my career here, I went down to Latin America and lived in Colombia and actually worked on uh, fostering the development and growth of the Latin American markets. And then flash forward to now, I sit with this wonderful position in which I have the honor and privilege to work with so many different cultures and celebrate culture and, and reflect that in what we're doing at Google and then how we can help our partners uh, in the ecosystem from agencies to clients to content partners really look to make meaningful connections based on the cultural relevance uh, that everyone is aspiring to achieve. Your your background is the future of this country. If you look at all this, you're ahead of the game. Like the <laughs> Gen Z and next generations, they're predicting to have similar mixes of backgrounds to yours. You know, like Obama um, will become Gen Market. You know, like that kind of a mixed background is really where. So it seems like marketers have to really start understanding this because their future consumers are going to look more like you and your background than what you grew up with and what I grew up with, which is this very homogenous view of teenagers, of young adults, et cetera, men, women. So I think getting this right is really important. So I wanna talk a little bit about the work you're doing at Google and what exactly is uh, culture-driven marketing? What does that mean? 
So what that means is really thinking about, yes, inclusivity is really the, the topic of, of conversation in terms of from, you know, corporate level to, you know, from a CEO to a CMO, how to really understand inclusivity uh, from employee relations to uh, really helping to, to drive the and foster growth for the company, but then really meaningfully connect with consumers in marketing. And based on our position and our subject matter expertise, we know that yes, inclusivity matters. And it matters when we think about a DNI context, but we also have to think about cultural relevance playing a role and cultural IQ in terms of what we identify as, as our culture-driven marketing framework. We think about how do we help to build smart culture within an organization, really leverage that key consumer insight uh, gleaned from, from the aggregate data that we have access to. Um, and obviously we uphold our privacy policies in every regard in that way. But then all, how do you think about really building cultural relevance and resonance into your creative development process and into that end result, into the asset that you want to really demonstrate that you're telling really great diverse stories, but you want to also go deep on the cultural nuance and the, the cultural kind of um, innuendos, if you will, that really get to the heart of that consumer and really make them connect. Uh, to your brand. And then thinking about finally, where do you put those really great culturally rich assets in the right places? And that's really important from an inclusive media standpoint, that you really have a wonderful, uh, diverse kind of representation of um, your media plan that really does include some of these really culturally relevant environments where it's a for us, by us content, you know, mm -hmm. production that are diverse creator, diverse artist, or where the topic is really relevant to, you know, again, that, that particular cultural segment. Yeah, so it comes down to the right content and the right context in the right media. So the media and the message working synergistically, and it's the insights that you're getting both from an algorithmic leveraging data, along with the human touch, really helping with crafting the right tone and message, along with what the data says. So it's the marriage of the two. It and, is. Oh, sorry, Cheryl. No, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. What I was gonna say is, you know, we, we in digital, especially in growing up in digital, I've been in, in the this marketplace for you know 20 plus years. And I always find that we're looking for that return on the investment. We're looking for the transaction to happen. Well, we really try to look at well, who who is behind that transaction? Who is the human being? And what are they bringing to the table in that moment when they're interacting with the brand, whether it's thinking about, hmm, I'm gonna consider it or all the way down to you know lower funnel transaction. What is important in terms of the context they're bringing to that? Who are they in that moment? And they're going to tell you and where you can't make assumptions, right? And I think that's the beautiful part of digital marketing and really micro targeting, if you will, being able to really say, okay, you're telling me as, as brand marketer, I'm interpreting that this particular cultural cue is really important in your search, in how you shop or how you maybe watch my content. So I think that's really important in terms of the cultural mindset in that moment where we're taking all that wonderful algorithmic capability 
married to, that's why the human beings that are doing the work, it's so important you have a diverse group of human beings that are really evaluating how you're delivering your marketing, because that can help to make the difference between winning over that consumer or, or losing them. Yeah, and one of the things that we're really seeing right now in the middle of the election uh, is this, there's no like monolithic, this monolithic view of any one group, whether it's black, Hispanic, really we're starting to see just, you know, how that's so not true. You know, there really are significant differences and marketers really need to be sensitive to that and understand that. And it seems like the data you're able to get, I mean, think about the rich data that you can pull from search insights to video usage and YouTube and influencers. Um, I can't even like, what an amazing platform to help drive, help brands understand all this. What are some of the things that you're actually doing with brands? Do you have got, uh, an example or two that would be helpful for us to understand how you're leveraging both the algorithmic and the human insights to create programs for brands? Absolutely. So I think from a from a data driven perspective and how that kind of ladders to our culture driven methodology. Again, we really look at aggregate data. Um, we don't look at any PII information. Um, we, we don't target by race and ethnicity. But what we do is really look and assess what are the if it's a Spanish you know, search or a bilingual experience, what can we glean from that? Where are some of the divergent behaviors between Spanish or English searchers? Uh, where are we seeing over-indexing or under-indexing? And that's some of the relevant work that we've done uh, with some of our key partners to really give them that insight and help build knowledge around that consumer and, and the differences that we're seeing. And you mentioned, Cheryl, what's so interesting right now is that I think what the Hispanic community is saying is we're not a monolithic group. We are. We have our own complexities and 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 differences that I think marketers need to be aware of because I think some marketers maybe make the mistake of let's just advertise in Spanish and that's going to hit the the Hispanic market. Well, there are generational differences, right, in terms of how the use of language, uh, geographic differences, country of origin differences. So you really have to factor all of that in. And I think doing your homework and really understanding who this consumer is, what's relevant to them based on the context of all of those different things I mentioned is really important. So um, we work with some of those brands to really help them understand who that consumer is, what is that that key cultural insight um, based on some of our aggregate view? And then what are some of the, the research partners that um, that are able to help us validate some of that from a third party perspective? And then we've worked with brands to understand what are the culturally relevant types of uh, video assets you need to create, especially on YouTube. What resonates for with consumers on YouTube? And then last, I would say it's working with uh, some of those key partners in identifying publishers, whether it's our DV360 platform or the diverse artists and, and content areas that are really important to include into your inclusive media mix. Um, yeah. And to give you an example from Google perspective, yeah, we have a really great um, marketing campaign um, in which we really wanted to celebrate um, Black-owned businesses. 
So we partnered with Blavity uh, to really, which is a great you know, content network and partner to uh, produce something called Hashtag in the Black. So it's a really great play on supporting Black-owned businesses and it being in the Black, meaning profitable. Positive, and right. really focus on that and help drive awareness and drive discoverability. Uh, so we have this wonderful new attribute in our Google search and maps where you can actually, if you're a Black-owned business, you can include this attribute and make your business even more discoverable when someone searches because we found searches for Black-owned businesses were up 1000% year over year. Wow. Wow, that's incredible. So that I love that. That's such a great story. And what what we're seeing more and more are the rise of these inclusive PMPs. We had a whole panel on that um, at our Reach conference and actually we're also having a panel next week during our brand disruption conference on that very subject that brands are starting to want to know transparency and accountability that if they want their dollars to actually reach or go to minority-owned publications, how do you make sure that that's happening, especially in a programmatic environment? Well, the rise of these inclusive PMPs are solving for that. How are you working to create your version of that, like making sure it's a vetted minority-owned business so that when dollars are going into the pipeline, you can be sure or a brand can be sure that's where, that it's going where they want it to go? Absolutely. So I think the theme is supplier diversity. That that's the uh, what everybody is really looking across the entire ecosystem, in terms of who they partner with, and who they're investing in, and how do you help to right size investments or or create more fair and equitable uh, investments and and build capital and profitability, etc. So I think that's that really is bleeding into you know how marketers are thinking about investing in the right media publications. Who is a minority-owned publication? And so what we did within our DB360 platform, we also created an attribute, a label, if you will, where pub minority-owned publishers can actually, um, we include that as a label within, and it's a beautiful black heart for black-owned uh, publishers in our ad manager in our ad manager solution so that can help give more visibility and discoverability again in our publisher capability and and thinking about that inclusive pmp so we're starting with black owned businesses and then we're looking to expand into other multicultural segments so uh, we're really excited about that uh, and i think it's under that that same ethos of how is google really helping to uh, drive more more investment in um, minority owned uh, from our black owned um, efforts, you know, black owned businesses to Latino owned businesses. So we're really focusing our efforts there in terms of how we as Google invest and how we can help the, the industry invest. And so this whole idea of brand responsibility, do you think brands have a responsibility or is it is a must have and if so why or is it hey it's a good thing to do it's a nice to have you should consider doing something good for the world but hey we're a toothpaste company you know we're a soap company you know I, i'm here to sell soap why do i need to take on like make sure x amount of my media goes here or there why what's the justification for this brand responsibility mindset what does it mean people buy from brands that they identify with, 
that they, they, that's the reason why a brand is able to charge a premium <laughs> um, when it is a commodity, right? To charge that margin. And if, if you are not investing in that consumer, why should they invest in you? So thinking about all the things that are important to that consumer in terms of their livelihood, in terms of their community, uh, the future for their, their children, their families, uh, all the things that, that go into who they are, that you know, people buy from from brands that they can identify with, and that we've seen that have a purpose, that have a mission beyond just selling more product. And yeah. I think that's been the evolution that we've seen from a purpose-driven marketing standpoint, culture-driven marketing, whatever label you want to put on it. The point is relevance. <laughs> relevance equals you know brand loyalty or purchasing, or and and the more relevant you are to that individual, the more that they're going to consider you. So yeah. that's what I would say is this is a good for business, but it's it's a strategic imperative because if you don't future-proof now, you may lose those key constituents that are going to represent the bulk of your, of the buying power, that represent the bulk of the, the potential consumer. Uh, and that's where you have to think about, you know, think about a growth strategy. You've got to expand into new, yeah. into new audiences, increase that, you know, basket size. You've got to increase who is putting that, your, the item in the basket. Yeah. And I think if you look generationally as well, like what we know about Gen Z, for example, is first of all, they're smart as all heck. They know how to research companies and they know if you are your word. And this is a generation that's very concerned about their own future, rightfully so, I might add, but very concerned and only want to work for companies that are doing good for the world. They want to buy from companies that are doing good for the world. So I, I think to your point, if you want to have a future as a brand, you better understand um, you know, what it means to be authentic and actually genuine and to do good for the world and not just be out for your own profits. Or you're not going to have employees. You're not going to have customers. And no, because think about the employees, the makeup of your employees, the makeup of that those suppliers, where you operate in terms of your particular, you know, brick and mortar or your your corporation and your headquarters. What does the 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 makeup of that community look like? So you have a role to play in how you're shaping and, and being a part of society and brands are the binding agents of society. So I think that's where the, the importance and relevance is. And just to bring up one stat from McKinsey, McKinsey reported that those companies in the bottom quartile for both gender and ethnic cultural diversity were 29% less likely to achieve above average profitability. So or more positively, those in the upper quadrant can drive 19% higher revenues for the company. So that's, it's it's a business imperative. The yeah. numbers for themselves, not just, oh, this is a good thing for society. No, 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 it's a good thing for your business. <laughs> right, <laughs> right. Proving. Yeah. Speaking of which, let's talk a little bit about measurement and you know how do you track ROI and what are some of the things that you're doing? I know we've talked a little bit about cross-platform uh, capabilities. Talk a little bit about where you are with offering brands some kind of measurement tool that helps them understand the effectiveness of what they're doing. 
Absolutely. So, you know, as I mentioned, we do not target by race or ethnicity. So we, we cannot determine if you reached uh, someone who is of the Black community or a Latinx in, in particular. But what we can do is if, you, if you've had a specific campaign that is really at the heart of it, it was all about really trying to drive up your brand relevance and, and cultural uh, connection. We've actually run our YouTube, especially in our YouTube platform, our brand lift studies to determine does culture play a role? And we've seen that culturally relevant campaigns actually can produce higher brand lift and higher consideration. So 60% of our campaigns generated 16% higher lift in consideration, 70% drove 19% higher lift in brand awareness. So that's just that's based on a meta analysis of all of the culturally relevant campaigns. And that's something we were really proud to share as, as a claim uh, last year. So those are the types of really great studies that we're bringing to bear that are first party. But then we're also partnering with the ANA, for instance, in terms of their SIM studies, the Cultural Insight Index metric, to really understand where is the cultural insight, how are they performing you know, against key cultural segments. We're using that diagnostic tool to then make recommendations Here's how we can help bring more knowledge to your organization to you know, increase your cultural effectiveness. Here's how we think about aligning to the right environments on YouTube or, or DB360 or, or search. If it is, you know, we've got to up our game in terms of really identifying when there's that connection in Spanish, when someone's searching in Spanish versus English. So those are the types of things that we're helping to really quantify uh, what is that you know, cultural effectiveness measure. And the appetite from brands is that you've been doing this a long time. Are you seeing that they've now woken up to this and like, okay, hey, we've got to understand and they're like onslaught or has there been <laughs> My team is overwhelmed, Cheryl. I can't tell I, you. <laughs> I can imagine. Look, I know I've, I've been in the multicultural space myself. And I know like going back not that many years ago when I was selling for a company that catered to black audiences, it was fighting for pennies. I mean, Hispanic brands seemed to understand because there was language and, but AA, uh, you know, it was, I can reach them in general market. I don't need a strategy. And I mean, it was literally fighting for pennies. And if they were willing to spend there, there were one or two players that they just, we'll put money here, here, check the box, uh, we're done. We'll mm -hmm. put in a black actor in our commercial, check the box, we're done. So it actually warms my heart to see a real genuine interest in this audience now. I hope it stays. I hope this isn't just a, oh, we have to, because there's been a social uprising that people are actually saying, hey, this is good business, this is smart, we have to do this, and they're really putting their money behind it. So you are seeing brands hopping on board saying, hey, educate us, work with us. Yes. Yes, they're, they're saying we want to get this right. We know it's important. We have to think about investing. How do we invest, right? I think there, there are more, less why we should do this, more how do we do this questions. Yes. So yeah, that's, that makes that's sense. what I'm excited about, that, that really there is a, 
collective investment. And it really does have, to, it can't just be just within the creative, you know, operation or just within uh, insight and development or product uh, inclusion work or DNI for, you know, your employees. It really has to be kind of a full effort across the board to really transform who you are as a brand or your or, or a company and being more relevant to the changing de demographics of the country uh, and making sure that your business is set up for success. And I think that's- yeah, how, do you, how do you leverage your influencers to help educate brands? Do they get involved and say, this is what I know about the folks that follow me? I mean, you do that anyway, right? So is there a special group of influencers that become advisors on how to reach Hispanic or African-American um, or minority groups? There, the wonderful thing is we have such a diverse uh, base of creators and artists that we that we partner with on YouTube. Uh, and, you know, what we've in some of our studies, we know that uh, the multicultural uh, consumers of YouTube are some of the most hyper engaged. And so many of those diverse creators and artists have found their voice on YouTube because uh, of the democratization of, of content. And that's been a wonderful thing to see their journey. And But we know that we need to even do better for those creators, which is why YouTube has invested $100 million in our Black Voices Fund. Uh, we are creating opportunities for, um, for creators of color in front of the camera, behind the camera, in terms of, from a production standpoint, the YouTube originals. Uh, team is rolling out a wonderful slate of really great Black Voices uh, content that are uh, opportunities for, for partnership with, with key brands, uh, sponsorship and, and investment there. So we've invested in our creator community um, and we really even want to do better there. Uh, but I, what I would say is there's a wonderful team at Google called Brand Connect, formerly known as FameBit, that really works with diverse influencers. Um, and although we, again, we can't pinpoint and say this creator is of this um, ethnicity or race, we don't, we don't match in that way, but we really want to make sure that the clients are seeing an inclusive roster of so many different creators that can really help to enrich their campaign and provide a really diverse perspective. So I think that's where I would encourage brands to think about, do you have a diverse slate of creators that are partnering with you? That's awesome. So I, I'm seeing this all over where brands are really holding their agencies at check. You know, do I have a diverse team working on my account? They're looking at their media partners where they're spending money and saying, do I have diversity working on my business and are you making sure that my media plans and the areas in which you're running my media, you know, are reaching diverse audiences and accountability for it. Uh, we want to know that we're reaching these people. So it's, it's, I hope this, I think this is a whole new trend in marketing, you know, this whole idea of inclusive, intentional um, marketing, culture driven, I think it's really interesting and I, and I think it's only going to be a bigger and bigger part of how brands go to market and how they think about spending their money and where they're spending their money. So we only have a couple minutes left. I do want to end. I like doing my wows, words of wisdom, and you have like a, a library of, of, of words of wisdom to share. 
What's one or two things that you would tell brands to stop doing and maybe something to start doing? Let's start with brands. What advice do you have? I would say stop treating the U.S. multicultural market as a monolithic group, as, as we mentioned. It really has so many rich layers to it. Uh, that and it's not a one size fits all. Uh, that oh, we're we're going to you know convey this message to anybody that's of color and it, it'll relate to them. I would say really think about using the power of of the, the ecosystem of wonderful uh, diverse suppliers and and multicultural uh, specialists and and marketing and, and and agency specialists that could really bring so much wisdom to how we think about you know driving relevance uh for, for over the next decade so i think that's really important to stop treating as a as a one size fits all you really got to break down what does each cultural segment what is important that you know is really a nuance for that for that um that particular group and then i would start thinking about fair exclusions so i think with brand safety cheryl you mentioned that's really important in terms of you want to make sure your brand is aligning to relevant content um, that espouses, you know, the value, the values, and and um, the ethos of the, of the brand for sure. However, we've found that some brands are doing uh, more blatant exclusions of certain genres or content, and which could have an adverse impact on creators or artists of color. So I would really look to examining do you have to really exclude this entire genre of music or do we really think about putting some limitations? And I think that's the beauty of digital where you can really be specific in, in how, uh, and how you target and how you include or exclude. Yeah, we've, we've seen that quite a bit where they'll say, we want to support minority owned properties. We want to reach um, people of color. But we don't want to be around anything that has anything to do with social uprising or well guess what they're talking about in the news coverage and whatever not just on those i mean that's that's everywhere you know you're blocking news in general when you do that right so it's not even forget hitting the minority properties even mainstream media uh is suffering from that because that's the news that's the world we're living in so very interesting there and um we've been doing a lot of work around language too like just you said something like in the black is one of the few that really is a positive because otherwise you get things like blacklist and you know whitelist is good blacklist is bad and so we've been doing a lot of of work around helping the industry reshape language as well um any last other stop starts anything for minority owned publishers tips for them on how they could maybe even get involved in some of these inclusive uh, PMPs? Absolutely. I would say they're, they should collectively, you know, form an alliance and really work together in understanding what is the power of this wonderful content that they're producing uh, that is somewhat of a for us, by us type of content, uh, you know, production, or it is we are you know bootstrapped and minority owned and here's you know kind of the american dream of what we were able to do 
you know, how do you make sure that you don't have to operate alone, but really work with some of these um, larger uh, publishing groups like a DB360 that can help to bring more discoverability of your of your publisher um, and and your content. And so, Cheryl, an idea for, for IAB, how do you kind of create, you know, a really wonderful um, alliance and affection there for, for people to bond and come together and, and share best practices? Because I think that's that's exactly... That's a great idea. We did issue for the um, our agency leaders group a list of minority-owned um, properties. You know, we, we made sure that was in their hands. Uh, anyway, I believe we are out of time. Sarah, this has been an absolute pleasure. This is an exciting time to be doing the work that you're doing and so important. Culture-Driven Marketing with Sarah Carberry. Thank you so much and we will see you soon. I'll, I'll have you back in six months and we'll get an update on what the world looks like then, okay? Yes, that would be great. All Thank right. you, Sarah. Thank you, Sarah. So that wraps up this session. IAB There is a production of the Interactive Advertising Bureau. Our show today was produced by Connor Healy, Joe Ants, John Ward, and Tofiko Mohinenden. I'm Cheryl Goldstein. Thanks for watching. Thank you.